Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, so they stay frostbitten. You are now tuned to the sounds of CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool, and welcome to Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Welcome back to the show, people. You're now tuned to CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool, and welcome to Cool Radio. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! You definitely better call somebody indeed and let them know that we are live on the airwaves of CFRE 91.9 FM. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show for another Thursday. I hope you all are doing good. I hope Halloween treated you very nicely. But you guys already know what we have in store for today. Uh, I will be holding it down on the solo double tip for tonight. But that does not mean that I'm not about to give you some hot new hip hop to talk about. But before we get into all that. You guys already know how I do, man. I got some stuff to let off my chest, and in a big way as well. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you already know what time of the show it is. It's time to let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe. Yes, indeed. There is plenty to talk about. So like I alluded to before, um, I hope you guys enjoyed your Halloween. I hope it was very eventful. I hope... You went to a lot of parties. I hope you ate a lot of candy, had some get-togethers. Whatever the case may be, I hope you guys celebrated Halloween in a big way. Now, for me, every year, it always comes about where there's always a whole bunch of do's and don'ts when it comes to Halloween. So I'm just going to list off the obvious do's, okay? First and foremost, eat a, eat a ton of candy, all right? That's the whole point of it. Eat candy. Eat as much candy as your heart can handle, all right? If your heart can't handle it, then go to the hospital immediately. Um... Dress up, you know, be festive with the occasion. You know, dress up as your favorite cartoon character, your favorite horror flick character, whatever the case may be, just be a part of it. If you don't want to dress up, then do something that's, you know, supporting the Halloween spirit, like giving out candy or, you know, making your favorite dinner that has like some sort of a Halloween theme to it. That I can dig, you know, I can get with that. Now, my don'ts when it comes to Halloween is when it comes to people who want to take their costumes a little too far. Now, I'm not saying, you know, you shouldn't be dressing up as, like, the sexy nurse or you shouldn't have, like, a whole bunch of, like, fake blood on your shirt to make it look like you got murdered or you're doing the murder. I mean, that's fine. Whatever. Do what you want. But when it comes to costumes that have somewhat of a racial connotation to them, that's when you kind of got to be smart about who or what you're dressing up as. So if you're a white guy, for example, and you want to dress up as Kanye West, you do not have to paint yourself in, in black paint just to portray Mr. Kanye Tudor. No. All you have to do is find a wardrobe that Kanye himself would sport or has sported on multiple occasions. It could be an outfit that he wore on one of his album covers. You know, you could have the same type of haircut style that he did. All that is fine. But when it comes to doing that and painting yourself in blackface, it's not the smartest route to go. All right. Now, I know some people like to be offensive. They want to have that shock value when it comes to Halloween costumes. And if that's the case, you know, it may be in poor taste, just letting you know ahead of time. But 
you have the freedom to do whatever you want. So so be it. But if you don't want to look like a racist, then I would strongly advise that you don't paint yourself ten shades of black and dress up as Kanye all in the same breath. Because then we're gonna be wondering, hey, where's your Kim Kardashian? Or hey, shouldn't you have a KKK ride to go to right about now? Or hey, shouldn't you be burning your cross right now? Or hey, should you be saying that all lives matter instead of black lives matter? I mean, those are the types of things that you should be asking yourself if you're going to be painting yourself in blackface for Halloween. So you don't have to paint yourself, once again, in the darkest shade of black or brown if you want to dress up as Jay-Z, as LeBron James, or whomever. If you're a white guy you want to dress up as Jay-Z, do it. Just don't be racist while you do it because at the end of the day, you're going to be the one guy who always says, I'm not racist. I always have one black friend with me. But you can't really say that when you're painting yourself in five different shades of black or brown and you're trying to pretend to be, you know, someone like a Kanye or a Jay-Z. Then people are, are going to look at you and be like, hey, we don't believe you. You need more people. So that is my advice to anyone who is not of a certain race and wants to dress up as a person who is a race that does not belong to theirs. Just dress up in their clothing. Do their mannerisms and you're good. I mean, me, for example, perfect example. I dressed up as Dwayne The Rock Johnson for Halloween. Now, he is half black, yes, but as we can clearly tell, the man looks like a caramel brown and me, like I'm darker than the ace of spades, let's be honest. So what did I do? I basically took a costume that he would wear in like the late 90s attitude era of wrestling and then I memorized a ton of his monologues to make myself the costume. That is what you're supposed to do. But anyways... What do you guys think? Let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio. And shout out to all the students at UTM right now. We got some late studiers right now. They're just kind of walking through or what have you. Um, feel free to listen in for the entire hour if you don't have anything else to do right now. But I encourage you to do that on a weekly basis nonetheless. Um, coming up after the break, I saw a very interesting uh, editorial on the internet about the state of hip-hop. Um, specifically when it comes to Southern hip-hop. And the person who wrote the editorial asked, is Southern, is Southern hip-hop ruining all of hip-hop? I will get into that discussion after the break. But before we get to that, speaking of Southern hip-hop, if there's one person who I know in the hip-hop world who is bringing up the status of hip-hop, not just from a Southern level, but just from a level as a whole, then it goes to none other than my man, Young Krizzle, a.k.a. Big Crit. And with his latest mixtape, It's Better This Way, here is the single, 86. So keep it locked. We'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. Yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Y'all tune into nine, oh, excuse me, CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool, and welcome back to Cool Radio. Um, so, one thing I want to talk about um, before we talk about it, that was, once again, Big Crit with 86. He is an artist out of Meridian, Mississippi, so basically we're talking about the deep south of hip-hop. And as I was alluding to before the commercial break... I brought up the subject of Southern hip-hop and whether or not it is ruining the entirety of hip-hop. Um, this has been an interesting debate that has gone on for at least minimum like 10 years now. Ever since the crunk movement came into uh, play back in like the mid-2000s or what have you, you had a whole bunch of artists from the South who were dominating. We're talking places in Atlanta, um, Houston, you name it. So the question still remains today. Is Southern hip-hop ruining the entirety of hip-hop? Most traditionalists, fundamentalists, purists, whatever you want to call them, would say yes. 
I say no. So let's uh, take a trip down memory lane, shall we? And let's kind of talk about a few things that kind of differ between the South, the East, the West, and all that good stuff. So I think one thing needs to be uh, mentioned is the fact that when it comes to all coasts in hip-hop, like within America, I should say, let's just start there, um, each coast kind of has a difference in culture when it comes to the content of the music or just the culture overall of everyone's lifestyle or how the music is played and what have you. Uh, when it comes to the content of most East Coast rappers like coming up, traditionally, it, it was more about the grit and the grime. It was basically displaying your skills as an MC, as a lyricist, how many flow patterns you can come up with. Whereas the West Coast, um, their content kind of relied in the reality aspect of of hip hop or of their environment, you know, talking about the gangbanging culture, the police brutality, uh, things of that nature basically is what kind of gave the West Coast somewhat of a sound basically. And then when you talk about the South, you know, their sound or their culture is more about the party aspect. And it's an aspect of hip hop that a lot of people tend to forget about, uh, despite the fact that the party aspect is how hip hop first came to be. I mean, Sugar Hill Gang, um, you know, Rapper's Delight. That was the first hip-hop record to get some sort of play. And basically, that's the kind of style that the South has. It's more of the party aspect, the celebration aspect of hip-hop. Now, many people will criticize uh, that the South isn't as lyrical because of that. So, while in most cases, yes, it does seem that way, I still don't think that that's a reason to say that Southern hip-hop is killing the rest of the culture. And I think people's anger and frustration comes into play when you talk about all the songs that are being played on mainstream radio within hip hop. Majority of them have a Southern sound to it. And back in the 90s and maybe early 2000s at best, as far as radio play was concerned, there was a bit more parody as far as who you're listening to, as far as the coasts are concerned, depending on where you are. Because even the West Coast had a hard time getting some shine as well. It was mostly East Coast dominated, and that was mainly because of the fact that hip-hop was still a young genre. And so every coast has their run. East had their run, the West had their run, and it kind of seems as though the South has their run. Maybe not so with the artists, but I feel like with the sound, which is um, very trap-heavy nowadays. That is what's getting on mainstream radio the most. So you don't really have to be an artist from the South to get play. But the notion or, you know, the kind of the consensus here is the fact that if you have a Southern sound within your record, then you're going to get some play on mainstream radio. Now, for me personally, I'm not really concerned with what's getting play on radio, ironically enough, because of the position that I'm in. But it's mainly because of the fact that music is so accessible nowadays. There are so many ways to obtain music. And not only that, but there are so many um, avenues as to how to listen to your music and when to listen to your music. I don't have to wait for every hour on the hour to listen to a new Drake record on Flow 93.5, for example. I can just go to Apple Music and listen to that whenever I want to. Same thing when it comes to a Kendrick Lamar or a Big Crit or any one of the sort. I have the power to listen to whatever music I want to listen to on demand. That's why I'm not really concerned about people saying hip-hop is dead because of the South or something like that. It's not my concern because at the end of the day, there are multiple ways to listen to music. And if you don't like what you're hearing on the radio, turn it off.
No one says that you have to sit there and wait until your favorite song comes on. You can go to YouTube for that. You can go to Vimeo for that. You can go to Vivo. You can go to Apple Music, Tidal, SoundCloud, whatever the case may be. Some artists put out their music for free, you know, via DAP, PIF, or whatever the case may be, or their own uh, personal website. So I don't look at it as a sense of hip-hop is dying because of the South or something like that. There may be some principles that the South has that you may not agree with, but the fact of the matter remains is that you shouldn't blame Southern music, Southern hip-hop music for the decline of hip-hop as far as credibility is concerned. I think it kind of goes back to the tastemakers, um, and you have to point to them and say, hey, how come you're only allowing an access of artists to come out you know, from this particular area, or not even area, but why are you letting this kind of music come out and you're kind of blocking this kind of music from coming out? You have to go back to the tastemakers. And this is the same argument that I used when it came to Iggy Azalea. Don't get mad at her, get mad at the machine. Fight the machine because it's easy to blame something on one single solitary person. It's a lot harder to put the blame, the responsibility on the machine because the machine is so much larger. It's a much larger conglomerate than just one single person. So I feel like that's where, you know, everyone kind of has like their uh, disagreements or everyone kind of has like their confusion about what is happening and who they should point the finger at. Um, another thing that people don't really know is how the music gets to play in the first place. For most, for the most part, if you have a hot record, you got to send that record to a DJ. The DJ is going to spin that record of a cl- at the club, and if the people like the record, they're going to demand for that record to be played more and more in that dance club. If not, they're just going to play the record one time and they're going to move on to the next record as they always do. Now, in the South, the South has a very strong stripper culture, basically, which is why you hear so many artists from the South serenade their loves to strippers and and booty shakers and all that and all that jazz, all right? So for them, they have to get their record played in the strip clubs. And if the ladies are, you know, making that thing twerk, making it work for that dollar, whatever the case may be, if they like it, if they like what they're dancing to, then the record gets that thumbs up approval, basically. That is how the South works. This is how artists like Flo Rida and Future got put on because of the fact that their records were getting spins at the most popular uh, adult establishments in the South, whether it be 112 or King of Diamonds, basically any type of establishment that you hear your favorite rapper name drop from time to time. That is how they get their play, and that's how they get the spin, and eventually it gets into the hands of other DJs and other radio executives, and then the rest is history at that point. And then the biggest reason why the South has become so popular and so strong, uh, two reasons actually. First of all, Southern artists stick together. Rarely will you ever hear a Southern artist beef with another Southern artist. These guys are so clicky that you can't even wonder why that they that the South hasn't fallen off. For example, prime example are those DJ Khaled records. As annoying as it is to hear, we the best, or say my name, baby, say my name, or and another one, and another one, or you smart, you loyal. As annoying as those ad libs are, the fact that this guy is able to get five, six artists on one record per uh, per record on, on an album, that shows you the kind of unity that the South has on a regular basis. So if you get mad that you hear Lil Wayne, Baby, uh, the T.I., Young Jeezy on a record all the time, don't get mad at them. It's the fact that the South is so unified that they're able to get so much spin. Now, you can say what they want. You can say what you want about their lyrical content or the lack thereof for the most part. 
But the fact of the matter is they're the dominant sound, and it's mainly because of the fact that they stick together. There is unity. There is strength in numbers, whereas everyone on the East Coast always wants to be that one guy to come out and bring that coast back to prominence, which is why New York especially has been failing to do that because there's a lack of unity. So I feel like people need to understand that, that that's one of the main reasons why the South is on top. And then another reason why the South is on top is, as far as radio play, is because there's a lack of complexity within their content. Whether it's the subject of the matter or if it's uh, just like a lack of uh, wordplay or using um, the same syllables within each bar structure, whatever the case may be. Overall, there's a there's very little degree of difficulty in their in their in their songs, which makes it easier for people to sing along to, which makes it a lot more requestable on radio, in the clubs, in the strip clubs, anywhere where they play music. So this is the main reason why this is another reason why the South is winning, because we say they're not lyrical enough, but they may be doing it the smart way in the sense of getting people to memorize these songs easily so that they're gonna get more play. Now, that doesn't always have to be the case all the time. You don't have to dumb yourself down all the time to get the radio play. But it's going to be a lot easier to get yourself on radio if you do something like that. But at the same time, people have to remember that a lot of the songs songs are coming out of the South. They're very trendy. So they may be popular for about three, four months. But then after that fifth month, there's going to be a new trend coming into hip hop. And then people are going to jump on that. So whether it's someone like a Soldier Boy or Swag, Cali Swag District, they're, they're from the West, mind you. Um, if it's very trendy, then chances are they may not survive unless if they know how to adapt to the times, kind of like a 2 chains. He's been in the industry for 12 years now. This guy has gone from being one half of player circle to his own independent artist as Titty Boy to the reincarnation or the incarnation, rather, of 2 chains, And he's surviving because of the fact that he's been able to alter his image and his gimmick for so long. So... Again, that's another thing that people have to uh, be cognizant about when it comes to uh, the South's dominance, basically. And another thing that I've noticed is that, yes, the South sound in certain terms of the sound, like the, the beats, the production and what have you, it's very dominant, especially when you went from crunk to snap uh, and then to trap music. That has been the prevalent sound that emanated from the South that is still prevalent in today's genre, um, general genre of hip-hop. But what I'm noticing is that there are so many artists out there nowadays who may come from one region, but they sound as if they come from another. Prime example, how many, how many of you people forgot that J. Cole was from North Carolina? The only person that I can think of from North Carolina was Petey Pablo, Mr. Um, what, what was that? Something, something, take a shot, spin in the air like a helicopter. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Point is, you have artists like J. Cole who set, who come from the South, but they sound like they're East Coast. You have a Kendrick Lamar who's from the West Coast, but he kind of sounds like he's a Midwest rapper because of the fact that he says he has such an amalgamation of different styles all in one. You have someone like ASAP Rocky who was from New York, but he sounds like he's from Houston because of the screwed and chop, the screwed and chop sound that he uses, which is another sound that's prevalent in the, in uh, the South that. Had its own form of popularity for a couple couple years now. It's kind of in and out, basically. But overall, what I'm trying to say is this. It's easy to blame an entire coast for being the downfall of a genre. But if you think about it, the genre's never really 
been in a status in a status of you know danger basically i would say the only time that hip-hop as a whole was in danger was probably the mid-2000s now mid-2000s we had some great albums come out we had the, uh, the documentary from the game come out we had um late registration and college dropout from kanye drop we had the classic album food and liquor from lupe fiasco drop within the mid-2000s we had a few gems here and there but besides from you know overly simplistic rap songs dominating the airwaves during that time frame we also had this mentality of you know forget being a rapper i'm just a hustler you know i just know how to rap you know i'm just out here to get this money i just want to make a paycheck and leave that is when hip-hop was in the state of you know state of emergency basically which is why Nas made the album Hip Hop is Dead in 2006. It wasn't a shot at the South. It was a shot at people who only wanted to get into the business just to make that paper. They were disrespecting the art form in that regard. So overall, I'm not going to blame an entire coast for the downfall of a genre because at the end of the day, hip hop is stronger than ever, especially if you look past to look past this year as well. I mean, we had the MWA, sorry, the NWA biopic film come out. We have another film coming out entitled Chirac, which is directed by Spike Lee, which we will discuss after the commercial break. Uh, we've had a ton of good albums come out this year, including To Pimp a Butterfly from Kendrick Lamar and the documentary Two from The Game. Hip-hop is as strong as ever, and hip-hop, once again, is still the driving force behind mainstream pop culture, whether some people are aware of that or not. So hip-hop is in good hands. I'm not going to blame any coast. For the downfall of hip-hop you can blame the stereotypes of said coast of being somewhat of a dent in hip-hop but for the downfall there's no downfall in hip-hop as far as i'm concerned but my opinion could be different from yours what do you guys think hit me up on twitter at dm underscore cool or cool underscore later and we'll talk about it some more coming up after the break we have trip talk three topics of three minutes you already know how we do with that but before we get to that we got another song to play this one speaking of which comes from uh the content album from dr dre which he dropped in the summer uh this one features an artist an artist named anderson dot pack and this one's called animals keep it locked we will be right after we will be right back after these messages yeah Yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back. Once again, you're tuned into the sounds of CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool. And welcome back to Cool Radio. Now, as mentioned, that was Dr. Dre featuring Anderson Pack with uh, Animals. And that came off of his uh, summer album, Compton, which was um, released right around the time that they came out with Straight Outta Compton, the biopic. And that leads us into our next topic uh, for Trip Talk. So three topics, three minutes. You already know how we do. So Jerry Heller, the former manager of NWA, is actually suing the producers of the film, which are Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, and Tamika Wright, the widow of Eazy-E. So basically, he is suing for defamation of character, essentially. And he is alleging uh, that the movie misrepresented him in a negative light to make him look like the bad guy. So he is basically alleging that the that he withheld, that he did not withhold a seventy-five thousand dollar check from Ice Cube, that he fraudulently, fraudulently in, induced Dr. Dre and Cube into signing unfavorable contracts, that he was fired by Easy, among other things. Now uh, he's also suing Tamika Wright. In particular, because of the fact that uh, they had some sort of clause where they would not talk ill of each other. And I think this is during the time where he wrote his book. 
and she was doing some other thing that was uh, in relation to that. But basically, because of her involvement in the film and basically giving the green light to all the scenes and all the dialogue that took place within the film, he's basically suing for, I guess you could call it a breach of contract. Now, I find it very opportunistic of him to make this claim, this uh, lawsuit, basically, mainly because of the fact that, pardon me, the film did so well. Like It was one of the highest grossing movies of the year, and it sold out, or not sold out, but it went number one in the box office four weeks in a row. They made a lot of money off of that movie, so obviously Jerry Heller is going to want a slice of the pie. Somewhat rightfully so because of his depiction in the movie, but I just feel like it's a bit, it's a bit opportunistic that he's suing because what if the movie bombs? You know, what if it didn't do you know astronomical numbers? Would he still be creating this lawsuit? Would he still be wanting to get more money? You know, it's like one of those things that you have to shake your head at. Um, now, as far as him looking like the bad guy and what have you, I mean, we've we've read so many you know um, so many autobiographies of people's different takes of it we've watched so many different documentary specials on it whether it be from vh1 or whatever the case may be and we've always heard the same narrative that that jerry heller was somewhat of a shark like he pretty much robbed thousands of dollars from nwa mainly because they were so young they were naive to the record industry they didn't know any better so the fact that you know ice cube left and barely got paid for his time and his efforts with the group. Him writing maybe like what fifty percent of their fifty percent of the album and what have you. The fact that Dr. Dre left, even though they were embarking on another album to do as well. I mean, you have to connect the dots together. They had, they left for a reason. That reason had to have been Jerry Heller. Now, none of us were there. We can only go by the accounts that have been given to us. By the people who were there in that situation, like a Cube, like a Dre, uh, like anyone else who was kind of within that circle. But the fact, the fact of the matter remains is Jerry is signing because or suing because he feels that his name was, you know, sullied in some sort of sense or fashion. I just think he's just looking for a quick payday, in my opinion, because when so many people for so many decades have been saying virtually the same thing about you, one has to wonder is a fact. Otherwise, why break up a good thing? Why break up one of the greatest groups in hip-hop history, especially when the fact that they are so young and they already put out a monumental album and they only had so much more to go? You got to connect the dots, man. So I'm sorry, Jerry. We don't believe you. We need more people. And you're going to need a Johnny Cochran line of lawyers to help you prove your case. So that's all I got to say about the matter. But let's keep things moving, shall we? Um, So... Little Wayne is getting in a lot of trouble because of the fact that his home in Miami was raided by police. Now, you're probably wondering, why was it raided, raided by the police? Well, basically, it was raided by the police because he owed $2 million in uh, rental fees for a private jet that he leased. Now, he hasn't paid the full $2 million, which gave, and then, uh, sorry, let me rewind that back one more time. Uh, basically, he was um, he was uh, he was renting a private jet for two million dollars, but he hadn't he didn't make the payments. So the company basically issued or they didn't issue the warrant, but they were requested an issued warrant by the police to raid his home to basically get 
whatever assets that can accumulate the worth of the debt that Lil Wayne owed. So that got written up and basically the Miami police just went in and just raided his place, basically. So you have to almost kind of feel somewhat sympathetic for Lil Wayne at this point in time because of the fact that Cash Money is holding back his album. Uh, His tour bus got shot up not long ago, and there are implications uh, saying that Baby may have had something to do with it. And now this. So was he the one who rented the rented the, the private jet? It's a possibility. I don't see why Lil Wayne wouldn't. He's kind of he kind of wants to live that you know young and flashy lifestyle, basically. But then again, it could have been Baby slash Birdman Williams who did that and just kind of wrote it in his name, basically. So it's just one bad string of luck after another, man. And I can't help but feel bad for him. But at the same time, this kind of goes back to. What I've been discussing with a few of my friends over the last little while about financial literacy and how a lot of these rappers lack that because of the fact that they kind of come from impoverished areas. And the moment that they get that big giant wad of money, they just go nuts over it. So I feel like Lil Wayne is kind of a victim of that. But at the same time, you got to improve yourself when it comes to that, because now things aren't looking so hot for Lil Wayne, man. He's at a point where if he doesn't be careful, he may have all of his assets seized and he may be the next MC hammer in that regard. So um, I would like to see how the story plays out and how it develops, but right now it's not looking too good for Wheezy. Um, and then the final story that I want to get to is this movie coming out uh, pretty soon, actually, which is called Chirac. Now, for those of you guys who are unfamiliar with the term Chirac, Chirac is the street name for the city of Chicago. And it got that name because of the fact that the murder rate was so high that it even eclipsed that of Iraq. And basically, the, the murder rate is so high because of gang activity. So when you have a city in the United States of America that has a death toll that is eclipsing that of a country that is war-torn, that shows you that there's a lot of negativity, to say the least, that's happening within Chicago. And I think something needs to be done about it. And this is where Spike Lee comes into play. He is basically shedding light on what's happening in Chicago with this film. And this is this is most likely an independent film because he does work independently. But he has a star-studded cast of actors who are ready to take part in this film. Let me read off the all-star names, shall we? Taking this roster. Samuel L. Jackson, John Cusack, Jennifer Hudson, Dave Chappelle, Wesley Snipes, Nick Cannon, Lala, Angela Bassett. I mean, it goes on and on. So first and foremost, Spike Lee has never had issue or trouble getting some big name actors within the black community to be a part of his films. Because at the end of the day, he is such a good uh, script and story writer that the actors that he calls upon, they believe in what he is saying and the message that he's trying to convey. Uh, He could... You know, teach a thing or two to Mr. Tyler Perry. I'm just saying. But nonetheless, I feel like this film, based on the trailer, and I hate basing films on the trailer because it could be completely different. But from what I saw, it looks to be um, a very impactful movie, to say the least, that will help spread light on what's happening within uh, the city of Chicago towards the mainstream. And on top of that, with the star studded lineup that you have, you know, it's only going to spread that much more. Um, it kind of reminds me of a film called School Days that he made way back in the early 90s. It kind of has that feel to it as far as the cinematography is concerned. Uh, So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that film. That film and Creed starring Michael B. Jordan. But nonetheless, 
I like what uh, Mr. Spike Lee is doing. And he's been, I can tell he's been holding on to this gem for a minute because we haven't seen or heard anything from Spike Lee as far as films are concerned. So he's had this one in the vault. And I think now is as good as time as any to release a project of that magnitude to spread awareness about the violence in Chicago and how it can be approached. Uh, what do you guys think? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool. Let me know your thoughts. Um, right about now, I think it's time to go old school. So that being said, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the Throwback Thursday track of the day. So uh, let's get old school from it, shall we? Yes, yes. So. It's been a while since I've done a throwback record from an artist from Canada. So why not do that tonight? Uh, This artist right here is from Toronto, and he was part of a group with uh, Cardinal, Official, and Solitaire, which was entitled Black Jays. This artist right here goes by the name of Rodala, and this record right here is personally my favorite record from him. It takes me back to those much music, or sorry, those much vibe days way back in like the early to mid two thousands when it was hot. Um, so I feel like this is an ode to that, and I'm about to play this record right now. This one features an R&B singer by the name of E3, and it's called Cosmopolitan. So when we get back, we have the Wankster of the week. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio. We'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. What's going on, people? It's your boy Femi Lassen and man, me. It's your man, Bo Pinto, at Bo Pinto. Jay Hood from the Toronto Argos. You are now tuned in. Cool! Cool! Radio 91.9 FM. It's an amazing interview. I had an amazing experience. I had an amazing time. The best radio show experiences I've had ever. Stay tuned for the hottest in news. Hip-hop, entertainment, and everything. Every Thursday at 8 p.m. Big shout out to DM Cool. Good vibes. Love you, man. You're famous. I love it. Yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. You're now tuning to CFRE 91.9 FM. And on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com, it is your man, DM Cool, and welcome back to Cool Radio. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I am not going to keep y'all waiting any longer because it is that time of the show that you guys all know and love and have been waiting very patiently for. <clears throat> Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery? Who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for... Wankster of the week. This week's Wankster of the week, and this one is somewhat refreshing because we've kind of had repeat offenders of the Wankster category, but this one is fresh and new, and did not expect to see this person on the Wankster list so soon, but nonetheless, it's got to happen. Ladies and gentlemen, the Wankster of the week is none other than Mr. Trap Queen himself, Fetty Wap. Fetty Wap, a.k.a. Broke Slick Rick, is the wankster of the week because of the fact that a video surfaced on Instagram that has him making threats, death threats, to his baby mother. Now, his baby mother who goes by the name of, and I'm looking on the internet for it right now, Lizay Ziona, uh, basically went on the radio and made some uh, disparaging comments about the My Way rapper. All right. So this woman basically said that he was a deadbeat and he doesn't take care of his kids. He doesn't provide child support, this, that, and the third. Now, to us, it sounds like a rerun of Mori Povich because we've heard this same yin and yang for how long now? So 
the uh, Mr. Trap Queen rapper himself tried to put his Trap Queen in place by rolling up to his her grandmother's house where she was currently at, and basically a war of words ensued. All right, now I'm gonna read a couple of these quotes uh, that were basically being thrown at each other. So Betty basically said, and I quote, "I'm a f you up." All right, and then he also, you know, concludes to call her a bum. But then she replied by saying, and I quote, I wasn't a bum when you was eating my, I guess you guys can figure out what the is. But nonetheless, heated words were being thrown around. And then that's when he began to make death threats to the, the baby mother. Now, this is my thing right here. So she went on radio to say that you are a deadbeat dad. You don't pay for your child support, this, that, and the third. Had he not said anything or retaliated, just stayed mute and continued to focus on his music and his overall brand, she would have looked like the bitter one. She would have looked like the one looking for fame, looking for attention, wanting to be on Love and Hip Hop and all that stuff. And I would hope to assume that all the stuff that she's saying is false, just so she can be a part of the spotlight and what have you. But Fetty had to go into her house and make the death threats and call her this, that, and the third. And it makes him look bad. If anything, it makes him look worse. Because not only does her claims look more factual because of his outbursts, but he looks to be an unfit parent in that regard. Because you can't be making death threats to your baby mama no matter how ratchet the quack, the trap queen is. It also makes you look, look like an unfit father because no judge jury in the United States of America would ever want to have a child be in the presence of an unstable adult who also has violent tendencies because that's what it looks like right now and there's video footage to confirm that so Fetty you messed up on this one you need to get it together with your trap queen have her come your way once again and fix this because for now you're looking like a huge wankster and I'm sure you can see that even with your one eye um, there are some more comments that Lizay uh, made known, particularly throughout social media. And this is what she said. <clears throat> and I quote, point blank, let N-words make that their first and last time calling themselves doing a pop-up because they really don't want these types of problems. And you can never call me a bish. I'm a female, 5'4", 127 pounds. I came outside by myself. My grandmother and daughter don't count because neither one of them could do anything when there was not one but two grown ass men calling out my heart ain't never pump no Kool-Aid. N-word, you bleed like so, what's up? Uh, listen, Fetty, control control your control your issues, all right? Control your issues, control your anger most importantly, because she sounds ratchet as hell. But right now she has a leg up on you because you're making death threats to her with a knife in your hand and what have you, calling her a bum ass, this, that, and the third. So Get your ish together. Um, until you do, I'm sorry, but Mr. Come My Way is going to have to get a wankster his way. Do you deserve this wankster to come your way? Of course you do. So we're going to drop on him one more time just like this. If I can find it real quick. There we go. Here we go. Wankster on you. He needs to stop fronting indeed. He needs to get back into the studio and make an album or make some collaborations because threatening your baby not mama is not the way to go. That's just my opinion. But nonetheless, um, ladies and gentlemen, I thank y'all for tuning in uh, this week. Once again, we will have uh, guests coming through uh, for the entirety of November. So keep it locked for that. Um, I'll let y'all know as the week comes along. Uh, But 
if you want to keep in touch with everything cool radio, make sure you hit us up on Twitter at cool underscore radio. Follow us on SoundCloud at cool underscore radio. And make sure you subscribe to the SoundCloud account as well. If you miss any podcasts or any live broadcast, I should say, we have the full podcast recorded, ready, up to date for you guys to enjoy. All right. And also, we will be uh, making a move to iTunes very soon. So I will keep you guys updated with that. Uh, make sure you catch all the latest videos. Uh, video clips rather of uh, Cool Radio on YouTube once again at Cool underscore Radio and then of course like us on Facebook at Cool Space Radio basically Um, anyways that's it for me it's your man DM Cool and once again Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies keep it gravy and wavy we are out of here peace Cool!